don't know about you, but I'm a, a big fan of like really long, epic stories. Love them. I love the character development. I love how everybody plays their part. I love how, you know, sometimes good doesn't win, but in the, win- in the end it does. Like the Lord of the Rings, obviously, one of my favorites. Chronicles of Narnia. I even like the, the Vikings saga, Star Wars. I even was kind of thinking about The Chosen lately. Because The Chosen gives us a glimpse into the biggest story of all time. And I think that everyone wants to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. I think that's why we love these, these epic sagas. Because it means that we as Christians believe that we're part of something bigger and that we all have some sort of part to play. Like all of you have a part to play in this great story, the biggest story ever called salvation history. You're part of it. You have a part to play. And we get to get a glimpse of this story in the first reading. In the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Does anybody, when you hear those, you're like, those are kind of weird names. Does anybody know the significance of those two names? Zebulun and Naphtali? Anybody? No idea? They're two of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I'll tell you why they're important. See, under King David, there were 12 tribes, right? And they were all united under King David. And during the reign of King David, there was a prophecy that was made to all of Israel that said, of your reign, of your rule, King David, this kingdom, there will be no end. And so all of Israel is like, sweet. We can't be defeated. God said that this kingdom will never end. And so everything was great with David. And then David had his son Solomon, right? The wisest man to ever live. He was extremely wise, but he was kind of a moron too. He made some bad decisions. And in doing that, he mingled with the pagan nations. And then his son, Rehoboam, split the kingdom. So within two two kings, the kingdom split. There's the ten tribes in the north, the two tribes in the south. And then it, it gets worse. Then the Assyrians invade from the north. And guess what are the two tribes that are first to be destroyed? Zebulun and Naphtali. Completely annihilated. Thrown into exile. Now this is very applicable for us today. Because these people in Zebulun and Naphtali were living the faith. They believed that this kingdom there could be no end. They were following God's law. And what happened? It's like the carpet was just ripped out from underneath them. And all of a sudden all of God's promises were broken. We hear it in the first reading. Isaiah says, The Lord degraded the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the end, he has glorified the seaward road. What is Isaiah saying? Hey man, I know it's bad. It's bad. It looks like God's promises are broken. But don't worry. Believe. Trust. Keep practicing your faith. And God will have the final victory. And guess what? God did have the final victory. Here's the only catch. Anybody know how long it took? 600 years. 600 years from the time that Zebulun and Naphtali were completely destroyed that Jesus would go into the northern part of Galilee. And, he, and here's the thing. 
These people who are believing and trusting and waiting, they were not, they had no, when Jesus came, that is not what they were expecting. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't reestablish Zebulun and Naphtali. He goes around and sees a couple of, you know, loser fishermen. I was, I, I'm sorry, you know, like, I don't know what those guys think, but they were, they were loser fishermen. He's like, come follow me. And then he says to another couple of losers, hey, come follow me. And some more guys, what's he doing? He's reestablishing the 12 tribes. And of that kingdom, there will be no end. But man, did they have to wait. Man, did they have to wait. I think the miracle is not that the prophecy came true. The The miracle is that Israel never gave up faith. They just kept believing because silence, you guys, is not the same as absence when it comes to God. And hiddenness is not the same as inactivity. God is always doing something. We just need to be faithful. And man, is that hard. Especially when we feel like nothing's going on. So this last week I was watching a documentary on bamboo. Because I'm a loser, apparently. Bamboo is fascinating. I don't know how much you know about it. But I learned something that I never knew. So with bamboo, you, you plant the seed... And then nothing happens. You water it, you fertilize it, you till the ground. First year, nothing. So you keep watering it, tilling it, fertilizing it. Second year, nothing happens. You keep watering it, fertilizing it, tilling it. Third year, nothing happens. You keep watering it. You get there's, there's a pattern to this. You water it, you till it, you fertilize it. Fourth year, nothing happens. I know. So frustrating. And I'm not even growing bamboo. But in the fifth year, that plant will grow 90 feet in five weeks. Or one inch every 40 minutes. They say that you can actually watch it grow. Because you see, in those first five years, you know what was happening? There was a root system that was spreading out wide and deep to support a 90-foot tree. And I think often that's what happens in our own faith lives. That those times when you're faithful and nothing's happening and you feel nothing, that your roots are going deeper so that when something big comes, you you have the strength to withstand it. And God is faithful and he's always doing something, you guys. Always. We just need to wait and be faithful and not give up on a father who keeps his promises. I want to end this on with a story I heard from Scott Hahn. I think it just nails home. It's a true story. This really happened. In 1989, there was an 8.2 earthquake in Armenia. And in four minutes, it decimated the country. Before the earthquake struck, a father dropped off his son at school. And before he got out and left, he put his hands on his shoulder. He said, son, I love you. And I will always be here for you. You know that, right? He said, yes, dad, I know that. I love you too. And the boy runs off into school and the father drives away in his car. Then a couple minutes, the earthquake hits. It flattens the school. He looks and sees it all crumble. Imagine this feeling. You look back and you see the, the walls, the, everything crumbling down and knowing your son is inside. 
So he gets out and he runs as fast as he can over this just pile of rock and rubble and shards of wood. And he starts ripping boulders off and throwing rocks. And people standing around, they come running too and they start helping him. And he does this for four hours. Then he does it for 12 hours. Then it begins to get dark and people start leaving his side who are helping him. He works through the night, refusing to give up. Pants torn, shirt ripped, hands bloodied. He just keeps digging and digging. 24 hours straight. 36 hours straight. And in the 38th hour, he pulled back a boulder and heard his son's voice. And he screamed his name. And he heard back, Daddy, it's me. I told the other kids not to worry. Because if you were alive, I knew you'd save me. And when you saved me, you'd save them. Because you promised that you would always be there for me. Then he turned around to the other 14 kids. And he said, I told you, my dad would come. Because he promised. And now he's here. You see, this is a father that knew his son and a son who knew his father. And this is what we're called to. To never give up. No matter how dismal, no matter how dark, no matter how messed up it is, that God will have the final say and he will be true to his promise. And so let us heed the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful. And he'll do everything else.